and, um, and they are missed. And I know that that best mother would love me uh, no matter what happens tonight. So uh, just ask that Beth would remember that. Uh, this is one of my favorite places. I, I preach at a few camp meetings, not many, but a few, and, and uh, because there's not many out there now, really. And uh, there's, there's nothing like Camp Syker. Wow, you know, to, to get up on a cold morning when it's in the 40s and, and talk myself out of taking a shower, you know, <laughs> a few days of that. And, and, uh, but it's, it's, uh, it's a great place. One of my favorite places, as I said, next to the Smokies and my home in Virginia and the beach in South Carolina. And, no, I'm kidding. But I, I really love this place. And, and I, I, when I got the invitation, um, they said, come and preach. And I said, how long? And they said, 10 days. And I've never preached that long before. I hope you're comfortable. Um, I, I, I was in Haiti. I was in Haiti uh, some time back. And uh, I was invited to, uh, to preach and teach at a school. And, and I asked the man, I said, um, how long do I have? And he said, well, we can only give you three hours. And, you know, after I hugged him, um, you know why he said that? He said that uh, we can only give you three hours because uh, we have two other speakers that will be speaking for their three hours, and we feel like we owe it to them. And we had already gotten up and, and arrived at church at 6.30 in the morning, and there was nowhere to sit. And, and those people were so hungry to hear the gospel. I mean, it, it, it thrilled my heart. I, I think that, uh, and I, I just think about the music and, and, and the thing that they, uh, that they provided there. Does this sound all right? Am I coming, is that just my accent or is that? Uh... Okay, okay. But I wanna, I wanna thank, I wanna thank uh, uh, Matt and Blaine for all they do. I mean, they, they are, they're just tremendous, and, and what they have carried on here, and they were, yes, and they were taught so well. They were taught so well by their, uh, by their dads and, and others that have worked with them. It's just a, a rich thing to, to be able to, to work with them. Um, it's a lot of change today. You know, I, I come tonight to share a message with you that I really feel like the Lord has put on my heart. And it's out of the, uh, the book of uh, uh, Daniel. And uh, if you have your Bibles with you, um, there's a lot of change. There's a lot of things happening, and it's not all good. You know, the things that are happening across our nation and the things that are happening across the world, uh, the church is being hard hit and homes are being hard hit. And uh, we've got to be a people who rise up, you know? We've got to be a people who rise up. But the songs that we have sung here ought to ring in our hearts day by day. I was blessed that my mother was a church organist for 80 years. A and uh, so anytime I, I would come home from child up, whenever I would come home, mom would be playing the organ or, or she would be singing. And she outlived my dad 32 years. And I asked her one time, I said, Mom, how do you make it? How do you make it? Uh, um, 
32 years without dad, and dad died suddenly uh, one Saturday night, and uh, he left us. It, 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 you know, it was just it was a tough thing to, to lose dad. But mom said it's, it's praise and, and the worship of the Lord. And, and um, tonight, I, I want us to look into the personality of a person named, uh, named Daniel, and I think it'll really bless your heart. Um, I want to say something about Tommy Atkins down here. Uh, he's crazy, isn't he? I, I, uh, but you know, Tom, Tom has already spoken on prayer and on revival, uh, very timely messages and old-fashioned messages, but, but so true and so needy today, and I, I thank you so much for that, Tom. I, I, think about, I think about years ago when I was ministering in uh, Central America and uh, in Costa Rica, to be exact, when this happened, that I had been down there a couple of weeks and, and we all gathered back. They, it's a long story, it's a crazy story, but we all gathered back and were getting ready to leave the next day and go to Panama. And I was walking down the street in San Jose, I was walking down the street with a guy named Berg Surgeon. And the Berg was a farmer and a brilliant uh, uh, self-taught engineer. He could build anything. Uh, his son, his son's the same way, and his son's a lawyer in, in Lee County, Virginia, and just awesome, awesome people. But I'm walking down the street, and, and Berg had been working uh, a, a couple of weeks on building a parsonage for a minister in the northern part of uh, Costa Rica. And as we're walking down the street, I'm talking to him. And, and have you ever talked to somebody and not look at them? And you're going down the street, and you get so far down, and you turn, and they're, they're not there. Has anybody done that? Uh, yeah, okay, one honest person among us. Thank you so much. Uh, and I'm walking down the street. I'm walking down the street, and, uh, and I'm talking to Berg, and, and there was a line of uh, beggars. There were a line of beggars uh, on, the, on the sidewalk there, and uh, Berg reached in his pocket and pulled out a bunch of coins, and, and he walked down that street, and he'd lean over, and drop a coin. They had these cups, these little metal cups, and they would, he'd drop a coin in there, and, and you could hear it, you know, and he'd drop a coin, and then he would say something. And uh, so when I stopped and I looked, and I thought, Berg, Berg, where you at? And, and when I turned, he was away down the road, and, and he was stopping at every one of those guys, every one of the cups, he'd stop, and, and, he'd, and he'd put something in the cup, a coin of some kind, and then he would say, in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And um, that kind of blew me away because I'd just come out of a healing service a couple of nights before when the cripple did walk. And I stopped and I, I, I went back to him and I said, what, what are you doing? And he said, uh, he said, well, I'm praying for each one of these people. I said, they don't understand you. He said, I'm not talking to them. I said, oh, yeah. And, 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 and he said, in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And then he said this. He said, maybe one of them will. He said, this may be the beginning of God's movement in this area. And I thought about, I thought about what you said, uh, Tom, you know, that, that uh, time to respond is really now. Because there's a challenge out before us where the church has to rise up and be the church. 
and to be strong with a message, you know, to stand as the church and, and be the church. Um, the adoption of Christianity, someone said one time that the adoption of Christianity has always been a turning point for nations, for civilizations, and for individuals. Think about that. That when, when someone receives Christ, our, our nation would open their doors to, to Christianity. Think about that. That it would bring great change in the lives of the people, in the life of the nation. Why, why wouldn't it begin through us, right? That's you guys right there. How many times have I seen young people rise up? And tonight, we're going to be talking about a guy that's 15 years old. 15. How many of you guys are 15? Look at that. Your age. Your age. And he shook a nation. He shook a nation. And that's an awesome thing. That's an awesome thing. And it's time to choose upsides. It's, it's time to follow Jesus. And some of you have heard me quote my... Uh, my uh, nephew, actually best nephew, Joe, Joe Miller, Joe, uh, Joe Miller's son, uh, uh, Joe, Joey Miller, his son, Josiah. You with me? When Josiah was born, Joe would go into his room every night and he'd whisper in his ear. He'd whisper in his ear and he'd say, Josiah, Josiah, you're a world changer. Change the world. Every night, just as a baby, Josiah, Josiah, you're a world changer. Change the world. And now here it is. How old is he now? 15. Wow. He believes that. He believes that he's a world changer because of the presence of Jesus in his life. We've got to be that kind. We've got to be that kind of people. Now I'm going to read. You got your Bibles? I'm going to read about uh, seven, eight verses, and then we'll, uh, we'll talk a little bit. Beginning with chapter 1 and verse 1. During the third year of, of, of King uh, Jehoiada, goodness, Jehoiakim's reign in Judah, <clears throat> King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon came to Jerusalem and besieged it with his armies. The Lord gave him victory over Jehoiakim of Judah. And when Nebuchadnezzar returned to Babylon, uh, he, took, he took with him some of the sacred objects from the temple of God and placed them in the treasure house of his God in the land of Babylonia. Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, who was in charge of the, of the palace officials, to bring to the palace some of the young men of Judah's royal family and other noble families who had been brought to Babylon as captives. Select only strong, healthy, and good-looking young men, he said. Make sure they're well-versed in every branch of learning, are gifted with knowledge and good sense, and have the poise needed to serve in the royal palace. Teach these young men the language and literature of the Babylonians. The king assigned to him a daily ration of the best food and wine from his own kitchens. They were to be trained for a three-year period. <clears throat> and then some of them would be made uh, his advisors in the royal court. Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah were four of the young men chosen, all from the tribe of Judah. 
the chief official renamed them with these Babylonian names. Daniel was called Belteshazzar. Hananiah was called Shadrach. Mishael was called Meshach. And Azariah was called Abednego. Now look at verse 8. But Daniel made up his mind not to defile himself by eating the food, the food and wine given to him by the king. Now you're going to see my, uh, my outline up here as we go along, and you can follow that. But I just want to share a, a few things with you. And uh, am I speaking off of this mic or, or the one, my lapel mic? What? Oh, okay, okay. It's just... We have, uh, I think there's two mics in Tennessee, and uh, I haven't used any yet, but no, I'm kidding you. What I want to share with you, when we're talking about, when we're talking about making an impact, we look at a guy named Daniel, and, and his city, his nation has fallen. The Babylonians came in about 2,600 years ago. They, they came into Jerus Jerusalem and just destroyed the place, and, and they took the best of the best as POWs, about 25% of them, they took them back to Babylonia. And uh, among them was Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You, you've heard that, and, and hopefully you, you've read or will read the story. It's incredible. But what I want to share with you is how this man thrived in the midst of a fallen people. In the midst of a people, his own were fallen and in the midst of a people who were his enemies that he was living with, that he was thriving with, he lived among the king. He, he lived among uh, those who, who didn't believe anything like him. And yet he thrived and, and rose from being just a, a, a teenager, a 15-year-old, that was being told what to do. They were trying to surround him with their culture. And yet he took a stand. He took a stand. You need to see this. So here's what I want you to see. Look on the outline here. Number one, don't be surprised by adversity. Don't be surprised by adversity. And it's everywhere. People are getting bold in their stand against Christianity. We see it everywhere. And we've got to be a people because of the presence of God in us. You know, because of his presence in us, we can rise up. We can challenge these, these people. And, and one way is just to love them. Be in their midst. Let the joy of the Lord be your strength. You know, be a people who walk tall, you know. Be a people where, where there's, there's an inner strength that, that, that it challenges them to say, what's going on with these people? What's happening with them? You know, the, the story is told in the Civil War that, that the Yankees, that's you guys, that, that the Yankees, the Yankees were moving south. It's toward the end of the war, and, and they were having battles there in Tennessee, and uh, there was this young guy that was injured. And, and in his injury, he, he went to his captain and he said, I've been hurt. And, and he showed, and the captain said, go to the rear. And so he figured the rear was in the south, right? So, so he went south. And the, the battle was there. He went east and the battle was there. He went west and the battle was there. And finally he went back to the captain and he said, there ain't no rear to this battle. And that's what we're looking at today. We're looking at challenges everywhere we look. Look again at scripture. Look at this, 1 Peter 4. Dear friends, don't be shocked or surprised when you suffer through painful tests 
and trials as if something strange is happening to you. This isn't heaven. We're not there yet, you know? Uh, a lot of people in the Smoky Mountains think we're close, but we're not there yet. And, and there are going to be challenges. Jesus said in this world, again, look, you will, you will experience difficulties, but take heart. I have conquered the world. I, I've told you this so that in trusting me, you will be unshakable and deeply at peace. We have four sources. We've got the old nature that's within. We fight, we fight those temptations day by day. We've got the world that's outside, and everywhere we look, there's always those temptations. We've got an enemy, uh, certainly, in, in, in Satan, and, and he's always trying to mess up our plan, mess up our churches, mess with our minds, and mess with our hearts. And finally, we've got God that challenges us, and he challenges us for our good. Now look at number two, look at this. What do we do? Number one, we don't get distressed by adversity. Secondly, we look, way, we look for ways that God, that God might use these things that are happening to us for good in our lives. Uh, the scripture says in Jeremiah 29, and you know this scripture, he says, the plans I have for you are plans for good and not to harm you, they are plans to give you hope uh, and a future. Um, God has a plan for us, and he's got a way for us. He's got a challenge for us to live. You know, uh, I, I, somebody told me the other day that they had a friend that, um, they had a friend that, 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 had a, uh, that had a cat. This little girl had a cat, and, and the cat got hit by a car, and the cat died. And, and the mother was trying to console her little girl, and uh, she said, it's okay, honey. The, your cat is with God. And the little girl uh, paused a moment, and she thought about that, and she said, what in the world would God want with a dead cat? <laughs> and, and, and you know, there's a lot of truth in our own lives that, that, that some of the driest and the deadest people I've ever seen have been in worship services. We ought to be, really, we ought to be the most exciting, dynamic people the world has ever known. There ought to be something so contagious about our lifestyle that wherever we are, people sense that the presence of God is there. I'm crucified with Christ, Galatians chapter 2. You know that scripture. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And if he lives in me, he ought to be out of me. He ought to be living out of me, flowing out of me. There ought to be something dynamic about who we are. In Daniel's life, in Daniel's life, God did five things, and you'll see here in this outline, he, he, he did five things with the problems that he had to face. First thing, you would say, why does these things happen to me? Why do I have these challenges? Uh, God shakes things up to inspect me. The scripture says in Jeremiah 17, the Lord searches our hearts and examines our deepest motives so he can give to each person uh, his right reward according to how he has lived. Um, you recall when, when God was in the garden and, and he's looking for uh, Adam and Adam's hiding, you know. Uh, he's sinned and, he, and God says, Adam, where, where are you? Where you at, Adam? And, and Adam said, well, I'm over here. I'm over here, God. Uh, he said, what are you doing over there? He said, well, I, I was just hiding. But if you really look at the scripture, you realize he knew where Adam was, but he wanted Adam to know where Adam was. 
And, and sometimes we don't know where we are in our walk. We don't know that. Uh, years ago, a friend of mine had a uh, dress shop in a mall in Chattanooga, Tennessee, and uh, she, it, it was an ancient building that they have remodeled and, and made this really cool uh, uh, high-dollar mall, you know. And she's standing there in front of her store one day, and she looked across the, the uh, uh, aisle or whatever, and, and there in the polo store was Harrison Ford. And, and she knew the lady that was waiting on Harrison Ford, and the lady had her hands, kind of had her face down, her hands down, and, and Ford came up and put some shirts on the, on the counter, and, and she pulled out a card, or he pulled out a card, and, and handed her the card. And when she took the card, she just glanced at the name, Harrison Ford. And she looked up, and there he was. And she said, do you know who you are? <laughs> and I think after several guesses, he got it right. Now, he, he did, but a lot of people today, we have to know who we are. I've told so many young people this, and I've told not so young people this. We've got to know that we are children of the king. We've got to know that in our heart. We've got to know that in the way we live. We've got to know who we are, because if we don't, we'll live any kind of way. We'll lose, we'll lose our sense of value in ourselves. We'll lose that peace and that joy that God gives us. We've got to live as people who know who they are. Look at the scripture. It says that, that the Lord searches our hearts and examines our deepest motives so he can give each person his right reward according to how he has lived. You see that? And it goes on in Deuteronomy. God led you all the way in the desert these 40 years, 40 years to humble you and to test you in order to know what was in your heart and whether or not you keep his commands. That um, they were 40 years in the desert. You recall that. It, took, it was a journey that should have taken two months. It took them 40 years, 40 years. Now think about that. That I, I was saying about that recently, and, and uh, when I was a kid playing ball, I, I was a runt. I was just a, a smallest kid. In the fourth grade, I was the smallest kid in the fourth grade, uh, including the girls. I mean, I was a runt. A and uh, by the time I'd gotten into the 10th grade, I was, starter, I was a starter on a varsity basketball team, and I thought, I wonder how I, how I swung that. I, I look back at, at what happened, and it finally dawned on me that, that I made so many mistakes and I caused so much trouble. I, I mean, you wouldn't believe it. It was like a comedy of errors. But every time I'd make a mistake, the coach would say, Green, give me five. And what that meant would be five laps. If it was football, five laps around the field, goodness. Basketball, give me five, and I'd give him five. And 10 minutes later, Green, give me, give me 10. I'm getting tired of this. And I'd give him 10. And by the time I, I, halfway through the 10th grade, I was in better shape than anybody. That's no lie. And we'd play, we'd play teams, and uh, we'd get into the last part of the third quarter, and I wasn't even, you know, I wasn't breaking a sweat. Everybody was half dead, but old Joe wasn't. Why? Give me five. Give me five. Um, and and I, I didn't care much for that, but still, 
It still, it opened the door. And I think here that as they struggled, as they struggled in the desert, give me five, give me five. And, and again, look at the scripture. God led you all the way in the desert these 40 years to humble you, to test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you'd keep his commands. We ask, Why do, what is this problem I'm struggling with? What does it reveal to me? What does it show about me? Now, secondly, God shakes things up to correct me. We get comfortable. We get comfortable. And um, look at the scripture. Look at this scripture in Hebrews 12. This, this is awesome. God corrects all of his children. And, and if he doesn't correct you, then you don't really belong to him. God corrects us for our own good. Why? Because he wants us to be holy. He wants us to be his people. He wants us to be set apart. If anybody's going to impact the world today, it's going to be you. It's going to be the Christians. It's going to be those with the very power and the presence of God in and flowing through their lives. God wants to see himself in his people. And that's us. Isn't that right? You there? Come out and play now. Look again at scripture, Hebrews 12. When God spoke from Mount Sinai, his voice shook the earth. I love that. His voice shook the earth. But now he says, I will not only shake the earth, but the heavens too. By this he means that he will, he will sift out everything without a solid foundation so that only the unshakable things will be left. You remember in Luke 22, when Jesus, Jesus told Peter, he said, the devil is going to sift you like, like wheat, man. It's going to be tough. Not me, Lord. Not me. I'm your man. I'm your man. He said, no, you're going to have challenge. And as you come through this, I want you to encourage your brothers. I want you to be their source of hope. I want them to see my joy and my peace flowing through you, flowing through your life. You know, um, I think a lot of us, there are times when we have to have, we have to make adjustments in our life. Beth and I go to, uh, we go to chiropractors and, and uh, I'm a weightlifter, and now I'm trying to get rid of it. So I do most of my weightlifting right here. When, when our daughter was expecting our first grandchildren, and if you haven't seen them, Beth's got several thousand pictures. Um, but, but when we first heard about it, it looked like I was pregnant. But, but still, uh, years ago, years ago, John D. Rockefeller, John D. Rockefeller, uh, had an ambition, just like a hundred years ago. He had an ambition that he wanted to be wealthy. By the time he was 33, by the time he was 33, he was a millionaire. That's a hundred years ago. A million dollars, imagine that. By the time he was 43, he was the, what we see today as the CEO of the largest company in the world, in the world. By the time he was 53, he was a billionaire. He was the richest man on earth. He was making like a million dollars a week, which was unheard of, unheard of back then. And uh, that would increase. But he was dying. He was sick. He had a disease that, that he was skin and bones. And uh, he, he, uh, he, was, he slept all the time. He felt terrible. He was dying. The doctor said, at the most, you've got one year to live. And he thought about that. 
He thought, I've got one year to live. He said, what have I accomplished? And he thought, I've got all this money. I'm going to do something with it. So he took that money and, and he developed the, the Rockefeller Foundation. Uh, they, they brought forth uh, uh, medical discoveries uh, through their research, such as penicillin. I mean, how many millions of lives has that saved? But he didn't die a year later at age 54, as they said he would. In fact, he was so, so bad off that several newspapers went ahead and wrote up his obituary because they, they said if he dies suddenly, we want to be ready. So they had his obituary uh, ready. A year later, a year later when he was 54, he didn't die. He lived another 44 years and died at 98. He died at 98. Why was that? He made adjustments. He made adjustments in his life. And we need to do that. We need to do that. And God will correct us. Look at the scripture in Job 5. Consider yourself fortunate when God, all-powerful, chooses to correct you. Goodness. Isn't that awesome? We, we, when we look at our problems and challenges we're facing, we've got to ask, what is this teaching me? What am I learning from this? And then the third thing we learn, I think, is, is God, God shakes things up to direct me, that he wants to guide me down a different path. In, in Proverbs 16, a person may plan his own journey, but the Lord directs his steps. You know, it's like, uh, it's like Jonah. You know, Jonah planned his own journey, and uh, when the fish, or the whale, as many call it, the large fish, well, you, you recall, he swallowed Jonah, and it made him sick. I don't know what you call that. You know, we hear about people getting sick on fish, but fish getting sick on people. And, and he was sick. And when he spit him up, he spit him up evidently in the right direction. Isn't that something? As he would make his journey to Nineveh. But... Um, he shakes us up sometimes to, to direct us. Look at the scripture. Sometimes it takes a painful experience to make us change our ways. And, and there's so many testimonies that could be given on painful experiences. Uh, Psalm 119, David writes, I've thought about my life and I've directed my feet back to your written instructions. I've, I've, I've directed my feet back, we might say, to your word, Lord, to your word. So we say, what's the big problem in your life? What's the big problem in your, in your marriage that you're pretending doesn't exist? What are the things that slow you down? What are the things that rob you of real joy and victory in your life? Because I believe God has that for you. You've got to ask those questions because problems never leave you where they find you. You know, you either grow from it and, and, and get the victory over it, or you fall back, and you don't want to do that. And, and then fourthly, God shakes things up to protect me. He shakes things up to protect me. The scripture says in Job 36, God has led you away from danger, giving you freedom, giving you freedom. Uh, Joseph had a vision of being a leader, but he was challenged again and again as you read his story. And as he was challenged, he grew from that, and he felt the protection of God. And in Genesis 50, he says, he says to his brothers, really, he said, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good. They say that shepherds in the Middle East will break the leg uh, of a sheep 
to keep it from wandering. Because if it wanders, and, and they wonder, you don't have to teach them how to wander. They know how to wander. We do too, don't we? But they'll break a leg of a sheep because they know that if, if the sheep wanders, it's going to end up with a wolf or a bear or something, you know? And, and, and we need to realize that, that God protects us. So we say, how can this problem that I have, how can this challenge uh, protect me? And, and, then, and then the final thing I'll mention here is God shakes us up to perfect me, to make me like Jesus. The scripture says, after you've suffered for a little while, the God of all grace, who called you to share his eternal glory and union with Christ, will himself perfect you and give you firmness and strength and a sure foundation. Uh, pain is the high cost of growth. It's a high cost uh, of growth. And, and when we think about, when you think about what he wants us to look like, we go back to Daniel, and I'm not going to read all this, but I want to give you four things that Daniel brings out, that the four qualities that God looks for in our lives, and it, and it goes right as part of it. And this is not in the outline. I, 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 just, I thought about this the other night, and I thought I'd better add this. And so you might want to jot it down, but, and it's right there in the first few verses. But <clears throat> first of all, integrity. He expected integrity because he never forgot who he was. He was like Harrison Ford. He never forgot who he was. That, that when he was taken into Babylon and he was challenged to eat the, eat the food, you know, and he said, I don't need that. I don't, I don't have to have that. I can get better results than you can. But, but he never forgot. Wherever he was, he was God's man. And what about you? What about me? We ask ourselves, is our witness steady? Is it, is it consistent? Do we have that? Do we have that kind of, 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 uh, of a banner that we wear? The scripture says in Daniel 1 and 8, again, Daniel resolved not to defile himself. He resolved. He made up his, his mind. Uh, Romans 12, and you know this scripture, do not conform yourself to the values of the world. Instead, let God transform you by a complete change of how you think. Then you will be able to know, you will be able to know uh, the will of God, that we're either formed by the, the world or we are transformed by the word. And, and people today will try to turn you away from the word. The word will change your life. I've seen that happen time and time again. Uh, just even ministers that, 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 that I've had the privilege to work with. And, and they'll say, you know, where do you do this? How do you do that? I said, it's on the book. And they'll say, the discipline? I said, no, not the discipline, the Bible. The Bible. Try the Bible. And, and uh, so, so anyway, integrity. He looked for integrity. And uh, we need to be like that. We need to be that way. It says in John 8, uh, 32, if you continue in my what? If you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. Secondly, a discipline. He controlled his ego. He controlled his appetite. Now think about that. I, th I think about this song, and uh, you may know this. This, this uh, tell my age, but uh, the song goes like this. Oh, Lord, won't you buy me a Mercedes-Benz? You know what? My friends all drive Porsches. I must make amends. Work hard all my lifetime. No help from my friends. Oh, Lord, won't you buy me a Mercedes-Benz? You know what? You want to do a duet? Something? No. But that, that's all about her appetite. That's all about, about her ego. Uh, a third thing is Courage. Courage. I've got a brother, I've got a brother, Sam, I've got four brothers, but, but I've got a brother, Sam, 
that he's always been courageous. He's a little guy, but he's always been uh, bigger inside than he is outside. And, and, and uh, I guess it's the only way you say that. I, I remember my mother made us all take piano when I was growing up. She just thought everybody ought to play the piano. And uh, so I was always, a, a, with seven kids, it was always crazy at our house and, and awesome. But uh, she sent me and Sam to Miss Cornette. Miss Cornette took on challenges, you know. And, and Sam went in one day and he had a, his hair was all messed up and his nose was bleeding and his eye was black. And Miss Cornette said, what happened to you, Sam? He said, me and Clyde been fighting, Miss Cornette. She said, who won? He said, we ain't done yet. <laughs> and, and that's just, and today, now today, Sam's 80 years old today. Not, not today, but recently, he was 80 years old. And uh, he, he runs a, a family, our family funeral home in Virginia. He and my, uh, another brother and, and two nephews, but they run a family business and uh, <clears throat> They, uh, uh, I remember one day, and I, I may have shared this uh, with the youth one time. Uh, I was up at my mother's house visiting, and uh, the, our funeral home wasn't too far away from my mother's house. So, so I told mom, I said, I'm going to go down to the funeral home and see what you're doing. So I went down to the funeral home, and when I walked in the front door, <clears throat> I walked in the front door, and Sam was sitting behind the, uh, behind the desk, and... Uh, he was talking to somebody, and I couldn't see who it was. They were over here on my left, and, uh, and, and I walked through a, the opening doorway, and then you walk through another doorway, and, and I had a brother, Eddie, sitting over here, and this older couple sitting there, and my, uh, <clears throat> my brother says, when I walked in, my brother says, here's my brother Joe. He can pray for you. And I, I thought, I'm off duty, Sam. I just came up here to see Mom, you know. And, and so I walked in, and I said, hey, how y'all doing? And Sam said this. He said, this is Mr. and Mrs. Jones. This is Mr. and Mrs. Jones. They just bought a pre-need. Y'all know what a pre-need is? I should have brought some, some blanks and applications. I got, no. But, but that means you, you buy your funeral, you pay for your funeral before you die. You with me? So Sam says, Sam says, uh, Joe, these are the Joneses. They just bought a pre-need. What, what do you say to somebody like that? Congratulations. I, I didn't know what to say. You know, I said, well, that, that's, uh, that's good. And, and, and anyway, Sam said then, and after I, I sold them the pre-need, I, um, I talked to them about Jesus, and they just accepted Jesus. Uh, do you mind praying with them? And I said, well, yeah, sure, I'll do that. So I, I got down with this couple, and, and we knelt there in the funeral home front. Uh, this has happened so many times because Sam, Sam would chase you down on the street. I mean, he's crazy. He really is. But his joy is real. And that couple, uh, the man died within three months and the woman within a year. And we know that they're in the presence because something happened that day because it changed them from that, for that three months for the man and for that year for the woman. That, that's, uh, those people are out there and they need us. They need people of courage. Scripture says, stand true to what you believe, be courageous and be strong. Now we're about done here. And finally, it's humility, humility. 
that he was tactful with authority. And, and you can read about that. I, I don't have time to really get into all of that. But I'm trying to get in my mind here. I want to read one scripture, this final scripture to you. And this is, this is number three. Trust God for what I don't understand. This is the last thing that goes back to those numbers that you got on the outline, okay? That um, the illustration I think about, years ago, and some of you may have heard me share this, Years ago, um, am I on? Am I on? No, I'll stay over here. Years ago, years ago, <clears throat> I was in Florida, and uh, in Florida, um, they have this roller coaster in uh, Disneyland, Disney World in Florida. And uh, they've got a lot of them, but one is called Space Mountain. How many have ridden that? Yeah, you ever notice? That, that when you walk up to that roller coaster, you, uh, uh, you walk up to this thing, and, and uh, uh, the line's, what, two or three miles long. And, and, and so you set up camp, and, and, you, and you're walking toward, and, and they have signs. And, and one, the first sign, you look at it, and it says, are you this tall? And you're saying, well, yeah. So you go a little further, and then they get serious. Are you pregnant? And I, you know, I, I, I say, I just look this way. And, and, and you go further and they say, do you have heart disease? And then you go a little further and, and it says, have you made plans with your maker? And, and, you, and you go a little further. Uh, are you sure you want to do this? And, and you go a little further and you get right up, you get right up to the entry. And you hear them screaming. Is that right? You hear them screaming. And, and, and you're getting kind of, your hands are sweaty. You hear them screaming and, and then you get to where you're going and you see people. You know, the, some are leaving. They, they change their mind. And, and, and you're, you're starting to get on this thing. You think, should I do this? You get on though. You know why you get on? Now think about this. The reason you get on is because you trust the integrity of a man who made his living drawing rats. Is that right? How many, how many have written this thing? See, now look around the hands. Some of you changed your mind. Uh, you know what I'm saying? That we've written that because we trust the integrity of, of Walt Disney. We trust the integrity of a man who made his living drawing rats. And yet we can't trust the Almighty to go with us and to make us strong that the radiance of Jesus in us would light up our lives. We don't trust the Almighty to do something so awesome in our lives that, that others would want that. That again, the joy of the Lord is our strength. We trust Walt Disney, but we don't trust our Lord. Isn't that odd? Isn't that odd? Wonder what God would do with you and me if we were totally his. You with me? Let's pray. 
Father, you know our hearts, and, and uh, we have come into this place always with expectation. Lord, we're, we're kind of getting this thing going the, the last day or two, and uh, we're ready. We're ready to make adjustments. We're ready to be the person you called us to be. And if we're not, I pray you'd speak to our hearts tonight or in the days ahead, because there's much to be done. There's much to be done. There are lives that, 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 uh, that need to be touched. There are people in our families. There are struggles in marriages. There's things that we can't figure out. But if we know you're in charge, you give us that peace that passes all understanding. Tonight, Father, tonight I pray that if any need to come to this altar, just really speak to those hearts. Speak to those hearts, Lord. Give us the courage to take that first step. Perhaps there's someone here, Father, that... That's never made a commitment. Never made a commitment. And tonight will be the beginning of all eternity for them. Father, speak to our hearts. Speak to our hearts in the name above every name, King of kings and Lord of lords, in the name of Jesus. Amen. If you need to come to the altar tonight, uh, uh, like I said, I know we're just kind of getting cranked up, but if you need to come tonight and would like one of us to pray with you, just come and, and lift your hand. We got. We got Tom, we got Blaine, and uh, myself, uh, and others. There's, there's, a, there's a million here that can pray, but if you need to come, you come. Let this be the beginning of a life you never dreamed possible. Let's stand as we sing together. Let's turn to page 114 in response to the message we've heard tonight. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. Let's start with verse 1, page 114. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus just to take him at his word just to rest upon his promise just to know thus saith the Lord Jesus Jesus how I 